till I'm Vegas, cause I'm a player, a boss player, and if you with me, pop your collar, shake them haters, I'm a waiter, open a waiter, from the Bay to LA to Las Vegas, cause I'm a player, boss player, and if you with me, pop your collar, shake them haters, I'm a waiter. Welcome to another episode of Any Given Monday, and what an episode it's going to be. I'm Hayden Adoni, and joining me on this fine morning, Duncan Song. Welcome, Dunk. Thanks, Nads. Look, you've nailed it there. It's going to be a huge episode, guys. We've been talking about this for a while now, but today we've got our Raiders Relocation Roundtable podcast special, and it is going to be fantastic. So joining us on the show today to discuss the issues that have risen from the owners' meetings and the the vote of the Raiders Relocation, we've got Scott Winter back on the show. Obviously, you heard him uh, when we talked about this last on episode three. So Scott is a contributor for Last Word on Pro Sports, Cover32, and SilverAndBlackPride.com. And we're also lucky enough to be joined today by Joe Arrigo. So Joe is a former radio host in the Los Angeles area, and he's the current host of the Inside the Rebels podcast. And he's the source of all of the knowledge relating to football in Las Vegas. So two very special guests. We're lucky to have them on the show today. Guys, welcome to the show. No problem. Thanks for having us. Yes, appreciate it. All right, so let's dive straight into this, guys. Obviously, we're here today to talk about the Raiders' relocation. So before we get into what happened uh, in the last week or so, let's just have a really, really brief recap for our listeners as to what's happened since the vote in January 2016. Well, in terms of what? Like, I mean, in terms of um, what happened in terms of how they got, why they weren't allowed into Los Angeles or... You know, going on since then to make a very long, tedious story short that most Raider fans know, um, the NFL decided that they would much rather have the Chargers and the Rams in Los Angeles just based off of the Raiders popularity in uh, L.A. is it would already supersede what the Rams uh, and Chargers have probably collectively. So um, Mark Davis got to work on a plan that would give his team the, the best financial viable future off the field as well as on the field. Um, during that time, he had a, a good idea that um, the Raiders would not be allowed into Los Angeles. So he started making uh, inroads to have him come to Las Vegas. And those inroads came to a head this past Monday when the NFL uh, approved the Raiders relocation to Las Vegas uh, in part because of $750 million, the state of Nevada uh, told the Raiders they can have for a new stadium. Yeah, look, you've summed it up really well there. And I mean, at the end of the day, the vote was 31 to 1. So it was more or less a unanimous decision, or more or less all owners were on board. Yeah, it, 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 was, uh, it, was, it was pretty uh, uh, mind-blowing. And it was definitely uh, a show of solidarity between the NFL owners. I mean, we were hearing going into this, you know, 27, 28 votes for a long time. But that letter... From what I heard from 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 NFL execs talking about this and reporters talking about it, the day of the vote, it just kept clicking up, 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 and it, you know, as they went into the meeting, we heard it was Chicago and uh, and Miami was going to vote no, and at the end of the day, even even Chicago just said, you know what, we're just gonna we're just gonna support Mark, and, well, and Ross was a lone vote. Let me interject right there. How how these votes go take place? Because I think this gives it. You see, you can kind of see how the NFL does business. Is once they get in the room and they and they ask who's in favor of this, 
uh, they'll count the 24 votes. And what they'll do then is say, is, is anybody adamantly against this? Like to the point to where to their core, they do not want this to happen because we would like to have a 32 to nothing vote. At that time, uh, Mrs. McClaskey, the, the owner of the Bears, was not adamantly against it. She could not find a fault other than, you know, she really would, just, would her preference would be for them to stay in, the Oak, in Oakland. Um, and at that point, uh, she's like, you know what, I'm I'm OK. This the financials. Um, make more sense for them in Las Vegas regardless. Uh, but Stephen Ross, based off of him owning, just recently buying land across from where the Coliseum in Oakland currently sits, um, regardless of what he said publicly, um, he was disappointed that the Raiders would not be staying because he had he had plans to, to develop around a stadium with the Raiders there. So he was the only one adamantly against it, and that's how the vote became 31 to 1. With with Miami, do you reckon that um, Ross was a little bit salty that he had to put five like no public money um, to get his Miami stadium developed in the last few years? I would imagine so. I mean, when when somebody that most you know fans look at as as a joke as a, of an owner up until this point, Mark Davis, um, when they look at when they look at when he sees that and and a guy that comes to meetings with with jeans and a hat and and kind of is the anti-owner, and he's he gets seven hundred and fifty million dollars, you know, plus a very good deal from Bank of America uh, to move to Las Vegas, and yet, you know, he's a very powerful and very good businessman, and he has to put up his own money for a for a new stadium. Not to mention deal with the politicians in Miami, which aren't the easiest people to deal with. Uh, you can imagine that he did have some type of some type of sensitive feelings. Um, he may he may be salty, but you know, like I was telling. I think Scott and some other people, uh, he could be salty, but Mark, Mark Davis was the pepper, and he was a seasoning salt. And, and that oh, yeah. always tastes better than, than regular salt. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now, that's for sure. Now, w- with Miami's um, no vote, given that Ross had the, the land around the Coliseum site in Oakland, realistically, like, how much of a, um, a windfall could have he made had there been a, a stadium developed in that area? That's a really good question. You just never know. Um, depending on what kind of project he's going to do, but he's going to make money either way. You have to understand now that now that this vote has happened, uh, Fortress uh, SoftBank enters into a 30-day exclusive negotiating agreement with Oakland and Alameda to to develop that property sans the Raiders, which means that they can develop a property and build anything that they want there, technology-wise. And they're under part of that ENA is a what what you call a uh, uh, it, it's they have to they have to negotiate in good faith. So this could have been the plan the whole time, uh, where they just basically wanted to push the Raiders out, which is something that I'm really really starting to believe. And Ross is going to make money off that. They build a Sprint World Headquarters there, or build a Sprint Labs, or or, or build a Sprint and Convention Center and all of that. Ross is going to definitely be able to um, capitalize on that especially with the location of his property so and, and let me interject, keep an eye on that go ahead yeah. Yeah, let me interject right there because something that doesn't get talked about is you know when donald trump was elected president the the owner of softbank the president of softbank who was a stanford grad born and raised in the bay area uh pledged 50 billion dollars to develop into the united states and if you look at what the NFL made last year versus what SoftBank is pledged, the NFL on a grander scale is is not the the big giant moneymaker in the room. That would be SoftBank. So in the grand scheme of things, 
I tend to think, and I've stuck with this for a while, that this has been the plan all along by Libby and Fortress, Libby Shaft, the mayor of Oakland, and, and the Fortress group, is to, quote-unquote, put their best foot forward to keep the Raiders there. But in the reality, take that money, use SoftBank to develop that land, and then revitalize the Oakland economy, which from a political standpoint would not be a bad thing for her. In fact, it's the right thing to do. Look, it certainly would, it would fit from a political standpoint, especially given California politics, and they they certainly don't like giving out public money for stadiums. She's oh, got absolutely. a built-in, yeah, let me interject. She's got a built-in political platform now that she's been really milking. She's now got to say no public money to the NFL, which Mark wasn't really asking for it, but this is her political agenda. No public money to the NFL. She stood tall when other when when Las Vegas caved. Now she's not only pushed the NFL out and and denied them. She's brought in a bigger Fortune 500 company and a lot more money and technical money as part of her gentrification of Oakland and increasing the um, economic vitality. Her goal is not Oakland. Her goal is to be governor of California or senator for California in in the U.S. Congress, that kind of thing. So she's really built that up. Go ahead, Joe. And I was going to say, but conversely, to play a devil's advocate, um, if well, when the Raiders leave and when the the NBA team, the Golden State Warriors leave, um, you have to understand now that they're in a position where um, she loses two teams. And if the Raiders win a Super Bowl in the next three years, and let's just say the Raiders move to Vegas or somewhere else in 2018 versus tw- you know going into the 2019 season, the, the the season of the 2018 season, and let's just say they win a Super Bowl. How would she be looked upon? She would be vilified by the city of Oakland by not allowing the Raiders and that city of Oakland to celebrate a Super Bowl title, which, you know, is is something that very well could happen. So she says this is also a gamble for her from her popular from a popularity standpoint. If the soft if Softbank decides not to develop on that land, if they can't get a deal done with Fortress and if the Raiders win a Super Bowl, not in the city of Oakland during any time of her term being mayor. It would look horrible politically, especially given that the Raiders are so successful now. And I mean, like, if if she loses the the Warriors, they're gone. The Raiders are gone, and like, we'll see what happens with the A's. I mean, they're sort of stuck in Oakland because they can't get out. Um, it, it's certainly just not going to look good, especially if Fortress don't end up developing that site. Absolutely, I I, I agree. And, and the Warriors are gone. They're 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 they broke ground on a billion dollar basketball arena in san francisco they're going to where they originated from so the 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 warriors are gone and and they did it on her term the a's now the a's are an interesting subject just based off of um they were trying to leave oakland the a's kind of got stuck in oakland and now they're making the best of it but if you recall the a's were trying to move to san jose and major league baseball wouldn't allow them to due to to television territory rules that major league baseball has so it's not like the A's are like, we're staying in Oakland because we love Oakland. No, they're staying in Oakland because they're stuck in Oakland based off Major League Baseball rules. Yeah, and here's here's an interesting thing. Right now, because Mayor uh, Libby Schaub made promises to uh, Manfred, the, the, the Major League B- uh, Baseball Commissioner, about the Oakland A's and getting them and keeping them in Oakland, should she default on that? 
um, should she not live up to those terms? Manfred could easily say, you know what? Why don't you? We're gonna we're gonna look at Fremont, Fremont, or we're gonna look at San Jose again. We're gonna go ahead and give them our blessing. The, the, it, you know, you just never know what's gonna happen. I mean, Uber packed up was gonna put two thousand plus jobs in Oakland, and now they're only gonna put one hundred or two hundred. They're building now with Chase, uh, the Chase Stadium, and the office buildings that are around that with the Warriors because they're gonna get. Exposure when that build when that building goes up right behind it you're going to see a big Uber sign and they're putting their two thousand people there and leaving a skeleton crew and what they were going to do in Oakland. It would not surprise me if if Mayor Libby Schaff continues to stand on this high ground of not not being not promoting business and not helping business um, to succeed. She might end up holding an empty hat when all of this is said and done. Yeah, for sure. It certainly looks like that that could be the case. I just want to change tack a little bit. We've kind of skirted around the, the finances of the deal a little bit in that discussion. So why don't we dive into a little bit more detail into exactly what the finance agreement is. Obviously not, not to the minute level, but on, on broad strokes, can we just run through for the listeners what we think or what the finance situation actually is? I default. I defer to Scott in terms of the deal with, in terms of the deal with with Bank of America or the seven hundred and fifty million dollars. Well, both. I mean, they're both parts of it. So, my understanding is we've we've obviously got Mark Davis. He's got five hundred million. Then there's the seven hundred and fifty million dollars as well from um, uh, Las Vegas. And then we've got Sheldon Adelson's obviously out now, and the Bank of America's come in. So, Scott, you're probably the mm-hmm. expert here. So. Well, you. it's still it's still a fluid situation because while Mark Davis has a has lined up a line of credit, and we we heard at the NFL owners meeting from 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 um, Eric Gerben through Vinnie Bon Senior that they had ten banks lined up that and it wasn't just three four it they were lining up and and deep because of how lucrative the uh, the deal was. Now, the reason I say it's still fluid because we probably won't see 650 million borrowed from Bank of America. It could be quite a significant amount of less. Not that they're going to come in, you know, not spending the money that they're supposed to spend on the stadium, but because they are signing naming rights and sponsorship rights and getting ad uh, commitments that will that they, the Raiders can absolutely apply to the uh, equity of that loan. And instead of using the loan money, they can put forward their money with no interest, and it's it, it, they could end up only you know borrowing two hundred million or three hundred million. The dust hasn't settled on that yet, so it is definitely fluid. But they've inked over seventy million dollars annually in naming rights, sponsorship deals, and and advertising already. And their goal is over a hundred million annually. And from the people I talked to, they were pretty excited that that was a definite realistic possibility with the way that they're they're advertising um the sections of the stadium and whatnot and and the exposure if you look at where it's located on the strip if you're coming in from california flying in or coming in from um just about any location from the south it is that's all you're going to see you're going to see the stadium first and then the backdrop behind it you're going to see the strip and that kind of exposure, they were talking about it, it, it could be worth $800, $900 million annually to the, to the city of Las Vegas, just having that extra 
advertising and exposure um, to the city. People will think about Las Vegas a whole lot more when you're looking at that Raiders stadium. And, I, and I'll say this, the, the price tag of the stadium, this says 1.9, you have $1.9 billion. What people need to remember and, and really take into consideration uh, before they say it's going to be a $1.9 billion stadium when there's going to be this and that overages, that's not necessarily true. I was told by senior NFL officials that when they pre- when the Raiders presented their the stadium proposal um, at the at the the meetings and prior to it, it came in significantly less than 1.9 billion dollars. Uh, even it was reported below 1.6 billion dollars. So when you when you look at what they're doing, it's it's it, Mark Davis essentially has a credit card, and the credit card says you this is your limit. Whatever you go to on you know whatever you use on the limit, you pay back X amount of money. That's something that nobody is privy to um but i'm pretty sure it'll be a very very fair interest rate uh to mark davis and the raiders and there really isn't any long-term jeopardy when it comes to to the bill the sb1 bill which which the state of nevada passed to give the raiders that three quarters of a billion dollars because occupancy at hotels that means how many people are staying on the strip have to fall below 60%? That has never happened. The lowest it has ever been was 1988 when it was 83% occupancy, still well above the 60% threshold. It would take a severe uh, event like a 9-11 here where a terror attack or something would happen in London or would happen in New York in 2001. It would take something like that for these bonds to go into default. It is a really, really win-win situation for the state of Nevada, Las Vegas, and the Oakland Raiders, as well as the NFL. That occupancy would have to be below 60% for a long time. The occupancy rate, the 60%, is basically a break-even, but they're setting up a two-year waterfall fund so that they could pay those bonds back two years if they had 0% occupancy. Not only that, the revenue, the, the state tax revenue off of the stadium itself, that's also... That's also new taxes. So it would actually it would take a long term devastating event like like what Joe was talking about to over years to do that. I mean, we're talking the stadium has a potential to bring in over 60 to 70 million dollars annually for state institutions and, and, and the taxpayers there. So you've got the thirty five million that they're estimating for for state tax uh, generation revenue and then and this is joe's joe can even touch on this better once once i say it is that right now the the unlv makes about 2.5 to 3 million dollars in nca money from from their uh revenue with the, with uh, their conference if they move to a power five conference that goes tenfold they get 30 to 35 million from the NCAA for their school. And this is, with the new stadium, that is a legitimate possibility. I'll, I'll defer to Joe on the rest of that. Yeah, and just sort of for those that don't know, a Power Five conference uh, in American football is, uh, in college football, you have uh, the big schools like a University of Southern California, USC, or a, a school like that, and it's where they play in terms of the, 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 it's like a division. So, and those are the guys that, that get, they get really the first opportunity to play for a national title. They also have huge TV deals with ESPN. They are, they are, that are making $30 million per school 
every single year. So um, UNLV is and has had conversations with the Pac Pacific 12, the Pac-12 conference that hosts USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, um, and I believe – I named them all Oregon and Oregon State. So they have those schools that are in there. They would like to expand to 16 teams in the near future uh, once their TV deal is up. And that's something that UNLV uh, is is being considered for based off not just the stadium, but because they are building um, a medical center and they have one of the higher uh, law schools um, graduation rates in the country, as well as um, their business school is very good and, and their athletic programs. Football and basketball aside this year, basketball in particular was down. Football, they won one more game than they did the year before. But with their other programs, athletic programs, they they are all actually at or near the top of the NCAA. Wow, so it's really going to revitalize like that whole university and make them into one of the upper echelon teams, potentially if everything goes down as expected. Absolutely. And, that, and you know, I actually yesterday was having lunch with uh, – a couple important people uh, regarding the stadium um, that, that are very, I mean, I, they're very well known. Um, and while we're, where we're having lunch at was uh, a place not too far from UNLV and who walks in the restaurant, but UNLV's head football coach, Tony Sanchez. And he sees me and uh, we give each, we share a hug and we embrace and, and he's beyond excited about the stadium and what this could mean for UNLV's future going forward. And uh, and he knows now it is up to him and his staff to put together and put together a winning program, because quite frankly, in college athletics in America, if your football program is not winning, you are not making money no matter the sport. You could be a strong basketball school. You could be a strong women's basketball school, baseball. But if your football program is not uh, up to par in winning, your 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 school is not making a ton of money. Well, that stadium's going to be a hell of a recruiting tool. Absolutely. That along with their, they, they're also building a uh, new football uh, training facility and complex to house the players uh, 365 days a year. And that's, that's just as big as the stadium. But the stadium is really going to help in terms of uh, them it, the, playing in a first-class facility, having some amenities that no other, play, no other colleges have, no other colleges in particular in the Mountain West where they play currently. So th this puts UNLV on the map in an in a area they have never been before and never seen before. Wow, that's really exciting. And I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at these financing, um, the agreement, it certainly um, doesn't appear as though that there's going to be any $1 billion debt from Mark Davis, as alleged by, you know, your Captain Tinfoils and your superfans. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I, I don't know where they get these, 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 it, it, these wild ideas. It, it, you want to have a conversation with somebody. You want to have a financial, economic conversation with somebody. And then all of a sudden, they just start piling on these, these things that have been refuted. It gets to a point where you're swatting gnats. It, you just, it's a waste of your time. Look, it's $650 million, um, potentially, from Bank of America. A $200 million G4 loan, which this, I'll tell you what. I would just sign me up for a G4 loan anytime because basically a G4 loan is I'm going to take a loan from the NFL and the other 31 owners are going to pay it back for me. 
that I mean, I'm not kidding. It is like the sweetest loan. And if I have to pay it get back, then it's 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 only interest rate is at two percent. It's it's a 15 year loan and it's amazing. Now then you have the the, the reported 325 million relocation fee, which will be paid back through the the revenue share more than likely on that. I haven't seen the specifics yet on that, but that those will come out. And 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 once again, Mark Davis isn't out of pocket on any of that. So there, then there'll be the PSL sales. Those will be uh, done by the stadium authority uh, board, uh, so that they can they're tax free and they can't be uh, taxed by the uh, uh, the rest of the NFL owners. That's per the G four rules. If you go into the uh, uh, relocation process in G four, and then. Mark Davis is going to come up with uh, the remaining balance of, of oh, all man. of that, you know, the, the hundred million and, and whatever's left of the PSLs and, and, and whatnot. So you're going to get all of the financials are just locked and loaded. And the way it's divided with between the team and the stadium events company is just classic. It, it, it gets good business. Um, everybody's covered. Everybody's protected. It's going to be a win for UNLV. It's going to oh, be a win for the Raiders. It's going to be a win for Las Vegas, a win for the NFL, a win for Nevada, a win for the governor. I mean, a win for the fans. It is well, going can, to be off the chain. Go ahead, Joe. And I was going to say that let, let's talk about the relocation fee. Let me point something out. The Raiders have to pay a relocation fee, as do the Chargers and the Rams. The Chargers and the Rams, beyond what somebody had said that the Rams cut a check right then and there, which is a flat-out lie, and they didn't know what the hell they're talking about. Okay, the, they, they stretched them out over 10 to 20 years, and they pay an annual fee, as, as will the Raiders. But the Raiders still get paid off both of – the Chargers and the Raiders relocation fee. So conceivably, they can use that money to pay their yeah. own relocation fee. So the Raiders relocation fee is almost zero based off what they're going to be receiving from the, the, the relocation fees of the, the Chargers and the Rams. It's certainly a lot less. Certainly. No, okay, yeah. When you take the, what, what's that, every team roughly, if it's $650 million per team, that's $1.3 billion. Um, you divide that by 32, so what do you got? You've got about $40 million each. So the, the relocation fee is down to about $280 million there. So it's certainly over 10 years, $28 million. It's really peanuts in the grand scheme of things. Exactly. Correct. And you figure, and you figure that the, 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 excuse me, the Raiders are going to be almost half of that at, three, at $325 million. So let's say that's what you said it was, $40 million, so that's $20 million. So they are basically taking the money that they're get, getting given from the other relocation fees and giving that money back to the NFL for their relocation fee. So they're not mm. really paying a relocation fee if you really, really drill down and look at it. And it's brilliant by the NFL and it's brilliant by the Raiders. There were, there were some NFL owners and executives, um, as I spent the time there talking to, to people and hearing them, there were people in that room that actually felt like they that the that Mark Davis and the Raiders might end up being of the three teams that relocated have the best financials and make the most money out of the relocation deal to begin with. And we're talking Stan Kroenke's got NFL Disneyland. I don't I don't necessarily if if that works out the way Stan Kroenke wants to work out, he's definitely going to have more money. But 
you know, when you have NFL owners and executives, you know, suggesting that they've, they've looked at numbers that I haven't looked at, you know, I've, I've put together things through, you know, forensic accounting, but that's significant that, that there are people that believe that Mark Davis and ones who voted Mark Davis could come out of this, the biggest winner out of all three. It's certainly a possibility um, and probably a very likely possibility. I just want to shift things on a little bit. So if we're talking about building a a huge new stadium, obviously you've got to consider things like infrastructure. So what can you tell us a little bit about that and the infrastructure arrangements that are in place and that, that have been spoken about? Well, I can tell you that right now, and it has been for all week, uh, the Raiders are taking soil samples and drilling down and, and checking out the land. Now, I can also tell you that soil samples were already done previously, um, not by the Raiders, and they, and they have access to those, but they want to do their own just to be safe. Um, and that's something that has not been out. Nobody, I just found that out yesterday from somebody that's involved in the process. So... Um, at this point, they're doing soil samples. They're, they're doing all they're getting all of that stuff ready, um, as well as finishing up the, the lease and putting together what the FAA is looking to uh, to have on their end uh, to just kind of make sure everything is is hunky dory, so to speak. So they're, they're getting that stuff done. And with infrastructure, um, I was told they're looking to take the Valley High golf course, which was a potential site and turn that into a parking lot for the stadium as well as having parking lot at the parking lot at the stadium and um along with a parking structure and then have some type of monorail or tram or or walkway going across from that golf course over to uh the stadium for the fans yeah i was out there yesterday at the site and the day before at the site. And you could see the the soil sample guys. I saw it firsthand. Spoke to some residents who, you know, commented on my picture saying, oh, yeah, they've been out there all week. And they would know. They drive by that location every day. And they could see the guy. You know, it's a, it's, it's very easy to see. It looks like a, you know, big, giant crane. And they're they're pounding into the ground. It's uh, the, the, the amount of money that they have set aside for infrastructure and infrastructure tie-in from site to off-site. Is, is quite significant from the Raiders' side of things. It, it, you know, you talk about the offsite infrastructure plan is up to $900 million, which is not going to be $900 million specific to, to tying into the Raiders or whatever. They've, they're going to extend the, the monorail out. That was, that was going to be done before the Raiders' deal. They're going to widen freeways and whatnot there in, in, in Las Vegas. And if you're a resident there, it's, it's definitely needed. I drove it for a couple of days, and it definitely needs a lot of infrastructure work they're just prioritizing areas around where the stadium is because that is going to be the uh, uh, considered a high priority congested area because that's that that stadium is going to be used 360 days a year 365 days a year it's going to be uh, not just for football not just for unlv it's going to cover events it's they're going to do conventions there you know a lot of different things and what Joe is talking about as far as the Valley High site, they've had a bad deal with the owner there. The, the, the county doesn't like the deal. The owner's in trouble and needs some financial money. They're going to buy him out if they decide to – if they actually decide to go ahead and, 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 and uh, follow through on that, that parking plan, they're going to buy him out of that deal. And uh, it'll well, be – Well, they, uh, they, yeah. they, they may not have to buy him out because he's under oh, – he's go. getting – he is – uh, going through a legal process, he's been charged with embezzlement, federal yeah. embezzlement. So he's going through a legal process right now that 
that that land may be and he doesn't even own the land he he's he is leasing the land through i believe the faa or somebody else so he basically swindled his way into the land he's like han solo he he swindled his way into the land and now he's making money from it and he they got to go through him in order to use the land it's a very complex situation but he's been this is what this guy has done for a living in las vegas for quite some time yep so once we get all that taken care of you get in that footbridge, and if it comes across the 15 caddy corner, um, it, it the whole area. I'm just telling you this right now. That whole area is going to look absolutely fantastic. I mean, and they're gonna, you're gonna see, uh, you're gonna see surrounding businesses feed off of that because that's what Las Vegas does. They 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 complement each other with proper businesses around what's making money so that they can make money, and it's gonna be. It is going to be another building boom, I believe, for Las Vegas. Just my opinion. Exciting times. Now, let's just move it on just a tad. So let's bring up Legends Hospitality. So it's part owned by Jerry Jones, and they run numerous aspects of stadiums. So they they run parts of Jerry's World in Arlington, Levi Stadium, Yankee Stadium, even Old Trafford in Manchester. So mm-hmm. um Let's talk a bit about the Raiders, uh, the personal seat license, uh, $100 deposits, because um, the, the receipt wasn't necessarily coming from the Raiders. No, they're I coming spoke- from Legends. <laughs> yeah, they're coming. Yeah, Legends Hospitality. I spoke to Stephen Jones about this. And the first thing I want to put out a disclaimer for, for Stephen Jones is they the, the Joneses do not handle the day-to-day operation of the company. They are... Uh, they do have a lot of stock in that company, and so they're, he was very proud and very excited to speak to it. He said they have what they call the 360 plan. You can get and you can get uh, hospitality. You can get uh, uh, concessions. You can get project development services. You can get ticket management, and then you can also get non-football event stadium management all things that the raiders need however at the time that i spoke to them they hadn't come to an agreement on everything they're still in negotiations but obviously they've negotiated out that uh, uh legends will have the ticketing deal and and their hospitality overall hospitality so um he wanted to he wanted to to, to make sure you knew that the, that the raiders could get the whole 360 plan or they could pick each one that they wanted a la carte, and they'll build a special plan just for them should they get that opportunity. Joe? Oh, that you handled it just fine. I've okay, nothing to add. I just want to add, you know, like you've got the stadium events company, which will be the Raiders. Now, if they subcontract those non-game day events to Legends, what in terms of an expected revenue split on those days between legends and the stadium events company what's the like given like the contractual agreement i know like you you don't know the specifics but what can we sort of expect from a, a revenue split on those non-game game day events because that's really going to impact mark davis and how much uh, money he's going to be pocketing on the non-event days because those he needs a lot more than just the game days to make it worthwhile let me let me speak to that too here a consulting company, which is what I do, um, one of my businesses, the, my job is to generate money that you don't have and you can't ever get. So I'm going to be paid in the money that I make for you as the owner. That's exactly what Legends is going to do. By them coming in and running the, the non-football events, they're going to generate revenue that a lesser um, experienced company would do 
um, or or Mark Davis by himself. I'm not I'm not putting Mark Davis down because Legends does this specifically and exclusively. This is their this is their business. So whatever Mark thought he could make on a, let's say he was going to make 125 million years from the Stadium Events Company, Legends comes in and says. They build it up, and, and and these are these are you know guesstimations, and just for examples, they they say we're going to charge you twenty million dollars to, to to do our job here. It's not a revenue split; it's it's a direct fee, but we're going to bring in one hundred and seventy-five million. So Mark starts off with one hundred twenty-five million if he does it by himself. But now you know if he does it with Legends, they're going to make one hundred and seventy-five million, and he pays them twenty million for that. And so he gets to keep 145. He's made, you know, Legends has now made Mark 20 million and they keep 20 million of money that didn't exist before. That's what Legends do, uh, the, the Legends does. They generate income that you are never going to get in the first place. And that's what they're paid from. And, and it's, they've done it, as you can see, you, you said Manchester, New York Yankees, uh, AT&T Stadium, Levi, et cetera. So there you go. It's it's interesting that you mentioned that, given that um, Sheldon Adelson was going to be running the non-game day events, and he was essentially charging six hundred and fifty million for that. So, the reality of the situation is now that Adelson's out, they're bringing in Legends as a consultant, and Mark's going to make an absolute like windfall as a result of it. Um, for all this talk about Mark having limited business acumen, I certainly think it's a good business standpoint for him. That's for sure. Yeah, and Sheldon Adelson, you know, he wanted more than just, you know, non-game day revenue and, and whatnot. He wanted game day revenue, which he was never going to get. And I was told finally yesterday he wanted 100% of the concessions, which was something that he was never going to get. So he he was kind of, you know, he, he kind of got, you know, he kind of played himself, so to speak. You know, he, he, he tried to play high-end poker with certain guys in the NFL, and Sheldon Adelson lost. Um and I'll say with this, you know, Vegas does a very good job of they don't really they can sell itself. I mean, the reason why certain like, OK, let's use Beyonce for an example. Beyonce wasn't coming to Vegas anytime soon, along with Jay-Z, because she wanted to do a stadium tour. Well, there is no stadium in Las Vegas. Sam Boyd seats thirty five thousand people. That's where UNLV currently plays. That is not nearly <clears throat> big enough to where she could uh, put on a show where she can make a ton of money, where Conversely, she can go to the L.A. Coliseum where USC plays and the Rams currently play, and she could put in 140, 150,000 people and make damn near a million or two million dollars just for that one show. So that's another reason why, you know, it's Vegas. It's the entertainment capital of the world. There's no but nobody, no matter what part of the world you live in, not not New York, not L.A., Miami, New Orleans, London, uh, Rio they do not put on a show better than Las Vegas. And that's something that the Raiders are banking on for their long-term financial future. Just on that point, we, we sort of talking a little bit about revenue streams and, and things like um, what the Raiders are going to get out of legends and that sort of thing. So given that the NFL obviously has a salary cap and a floor that the, the teams have to stick to, uh, what, what benefits do we see that, that all this financial revenue from the new stadium is going to give the Raiders going forward? Well, Mark Davis will be one of the one of the billionaires now. Finally, they, they'll have some money to go make sure their their facilities are top notch facilities. They are some of the best facilities. They'll be able to, you know, have one of the nicer stands. These are things that players look at. Players spend three hundred plus days a year 
at the team facility. They're they're at the they're at the stadium ten games a year, but they're at the team facility a hell of a lot more than they are anywhere else, and that's a big deal to them. With because of the salary cap, it, it, it doesn't matter how much he makes outside revenue because that doesn't affect the team, so to speak. That affects Mark Davis's bottom line, and it affects his team's net worth. Which if if the Raiders' net worth goes up. Every other team in the NFL's network goes up. That, that's just how the NFL works. If one goes up, they all go up. And that's the reason why having them as the, a team that's finally going to be in a nice stadium, finally going to have a, uh, the, type of, the type of money and the type of facility and whatnot that is needed for them to be, to be known as a, a great team in the NFL – and, and that's going to increase that team's value, which is going to make Jerry Jones a hell of a lot of money and Robert Kraft and these guys that have been putting in so much money, of, so much of their own money to keep guys like Mark Davis, you know, pre, uh, previously in Oakland and guys like you know, Shad Khan in Jacksonville and these other owners who are lower level market teams that their teams just aren't good. It's allowing it's finally they're paying equal equal amount of money. Now, now Mark Davis is going to be in that Jerry Jones, that Robert Kraft, that that Stephen Ross, Stan Kroenke group of people based off of he's going to be a big boy at the table now. He's not going to be have his hand out saying, I need some more money. He's a guy saying, how much do you need? And that's going to be, ha- that's going to be happening in the near future. And to, and to, and to uh, add to that, guaranteed money um, for contracts has to be paid up front and it has to be put into an escrow account. So we've got uh, Derek Carr coming up. Let's say we have to put $70 million up in guaranteed money. That money has to be put into an escrow account right then the minute that's signed all guaranteed money goes into that account which means you have to have that money on hand and and and, and if you understand the inflation value of, of of the nfl cap it has gone up uh in the last five years i mean it's went from 120 to almost 170 million dollars i mean and and the amount of guaranteed money keeps going up so having liquidity is important plus what people don't realize is just because there's a salary cap just because there's a salary cap uh, doesn't mean that that covers the rest of your payroll. An NFL team has anywhere from 250 to $350 million in NFL payroll, which is not covered by the revenue share. Which So if you want to do extra amenities for the fans, you want to increase your fan experience, you want to be that destination, you want to market your team, you want to do a lot of things that they have been very – they've had to be very uh, – lean on in the past that's not an issue anymore now you're getting world-class customer service now you're getting world-class fan experience now you're getting um to be able to not have any worries whatsoever about building state-of-the-art facilities and joe has touched on this before he even had an interview with a guy on his show about how important it is to have world-class training facilities i'll leave it back to joe on that because uh, he's he, he was an actual player um, in Major League Baseball, he can tell you how important that is. Go ahead, Joe. Well, you just, you know, we you spend so much time, you know, not just on the road, but you spend so much time with your teammates. You spend almost every waking hour of your day, but time from the time you get up, you go to your facility. You know, you practice at your facility. You get your treatment at facility. You watch film at your facility. You, you know, you're you meet at your facility. You do your media obligations at your facility you're there from eight in the morning till five six seven o'clock at night for the most part um you eat at the facility as well i mean that that's all part of it and if you don't have a good facility 
it, it makes it very easy for guys to leave. Make guys say, okay, you know what, I'm going to go get something to eat, which could lead to some type of trouble. So you always want to have a good facility. Um, and that's something that, you know, the Raiders finally have. I mean, Jack Del Rio came in and was like, we need a new weight room. These are the same weights that were here 40 years ago. And now they get a new weight room, and now you see uh, new types of of muscles being built versus the old muscles. Like you see, you can train differently. So having a new facility as a player is very big and it's very important uh, for the long for your long term health and, and for the health of everybody on the team. I think that's exactly right. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Joe. So we're seeing all these benefits. You know, you talk about the benefits of having the improved facility and the money in general. And, and the fact that the deal was a win-win for the Raiders, for Las Vegas, for Nevada, for the NFL. So when do we think the team is actually going to move? If, if all the signs are pointing to that this is a win-win, when do we think it's going to happen? If I had to go with my gut feeling, uh, I'll say 2018. I think they're going to they're gonna be here. Um, there's a report that came out today that the Oakland Council, City Council, or who, who, whomever it was, um, already informed the Raiders they found a loophole in the lease and they're going to quote-unquote evict them for this upcoming season. I can tell you right now that's an erroneous report and a flat-out lie. Um, I spoke to the Raiders earlier today uh, on Friday, and they said they have not heard from anybody, and they do not – that, that report is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, and until they hear from somebody, they plan on playing in 2017 – in uh in oakland um but sam the stuff at sam boyd there's things that need to be done they need to widen sam boyd they need to they need to increase security they need to make the locker rooms bigger. <coughs> they need to uh they need to um uh put some put some temporary luxury boxes you know up there that's all kinds of stuff that can happen um and it could be happened by 2018 so i think that's when you'll see them uh, moving. Uh, if they don't stay in Oakland this year, I tend to think Cal Berkeley is where they'll end up playing for the next couple of years until they move. Now, we've also talked about um, Ruby Schaff and how she's certainly politically positioned herself as that in that she hasn't really taken much interest in the Raiders the last few years. And I remember, Joe, you reported back, oh, I think it might have been as back around September when they got the $750 million in finance from Nevada that she more or less was wanting to kick them out ASAP. So has her position changed since the vote has happened or is she still hell-bent on getting them out as soon as she can? Uh, the, the report. I remember the date of the report because it was my daughter's birthday, so it was the 21st of October. But you're you're pretty close, buddy. You're pretty close. Uh, no, her position hasn't changed. Uh, you know, she is she is what she is. She's not a fan of Mark Davis. She's not a fan of of the Raiders, and I think it's evident with you know the way she's treated them uh, during this whole process um, and the way she's been tried, lied and been, and been caught in lies and manipulated the the Raiders fans into believing that she actually was trying to put something together viable for them. Um, you know, her, her office has gone pretty dark, but the, the couple of people I did speak to in Oakland, uh, they, they tend to think that she is, you know, she's trying to find a way to get them out. She's talked, you know, her city councilmen have talked about openly about trying to find a way to get them out. And uh, we'll see if that happens. Um, 
But again, as soon as she can get that Coliseum or get get them out of there, and and the A's can, you know, in the next couple months they're going to announce their their stadium plans. As soon as they start breaking ground, and as soon as soon as she can get them both out and 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 they're doing their own thing and developing that land in her mind, the better. I want to speak to that a little bit more because I've been really working this from from that angle and how she would be able to do this. Now, uh, Oakland and Alameda would take it on the chin legally if they if they tried to force Mark out. I mean, uh, we're talking over two hundred million dollar lawsuit. It's it's huge. The, the the price to move an NFL team um, would then be the 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 would be one in damages uh, against uh, Oakland and Alameda. Now, however, remember I talked about that thirty day exclusive negotiating agreement with Fortress SoftBank. There's a way that if they sell the land to Fortress SoftBank and then Fortress SoftBank becomes the landlord, then maybe Fortress SoftBank works a deal with the Raiders, offers to buy them out of their contract, or it could lock them out. And now we were talking about a big powerhouse company that always keeps lawyers on retention anyways, going to court and drawing it out as long as they want to, but they got they, they will make that money back because they will start immediately constructing things that they want to do there. That takes the, the uh, responsibility and legal responsibility from the city and county and places it with two private uh, with a with, with a private firm. So there could be a way that they could try to do that without being um, culpable for the damages that they would sustain in a loss uh, lost um, lawsuit with uh, with the Raiders and NFL. So don't don't. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm saying that I like to look at things that could happen when you look at legal contracts. And that and and the legality of that could be something to uh, to look for down the road if they try to go that route. Could it come down to potentially being how how well the the Raiders are supported this year at the Coliseum and how smoothly I guess the game day experiences go this year? I believe I believe so. I mean, if you go back and I talk I've talked about this quite frequently, any really any chance I got. But if you go back and look at the Houston Oilers, well now the Tennessee Titans. They were committed to be playing in um, Houston for two years. Attendance dropped to 25,000 people per game. And Bud Adams, their owner, uh, God rest his soul, uh, at that time said, you know what, let's just get out of here a little bit earlier um, because this isn't just going to work out. So there, there is, you know, that possibility. And, and I think, too, it'd be, it'd be smarter from a PR standpoint if the Raiders said, oh, yeah, we're staying in uh, – we're staying here for this season – so to speak, and then, you know, because let's, let's just say that this game week, AFC championship game, and they know going into that game that that's the last game ever at Oakland, College, Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Um, I find it very hard to believe the fans, whether they win or lose, are going to be very nice uh, to, to, the, to the Raiders and, and to, um, every, you know, to everybody else. So, um, I think you'd be seeing I think you'd see some things getting torn apart. So from that standpoint, I think the Raiders would be wise to not say what they're going to do uh, until after the season. Say, OK, guess what, guys? That's our last game. We're moving a year early. This way, it kind of keeps the peace, so to speak. And it may be kind of sneaky, but it's for excuse me, it'd be for everybody's best interest. Exactly. And I mean, you look at that stadium, it's uh, it's a massive safety hazard, not just in terms of you've got your, your sewerage issues, you've got your um, unprotected electrical wiring that can 
uh, if it rains, you've got electrical hazards there. But I mean, you look at just getting in and out of that stadium. It's it's an absolute crush when you get out of the the side of the stadium and you try to get up up to the BART ramp, which takes you onto the um, the the train station. Now, right there, it takes. I mean, when I go to the games there, it can take anywhere from up to an hour just to get from my seat um, on the same side of the stadium to the BART ramp, and it's because there's an absolute crush there. And I mean, if you've got a couple angry angry supporters that are like pissed off um it, it it wouldn't take much for there to be quite um quite a serious incident that would happen there i, I know that there's a lot of safety concerns going on there from the raiders and the nfl side absolutely I wanna, I'm, yeah i want to interject real quick i'm going to take a different tack on this and and after meeting mark davis the the first thing that he said to me the first thing was honesty was his most important quality uh, with his people, the people that, that surrounds all of this, and, and, and for himself. I, it just cemented my belief that everything that Mark Davis has said throughout this entire process, and I've been saying this, but this is just, it just hammered at home. What he says is what he means. Um, if he wants to play there until 2019, if he can absolutely do it, even though he doesn't want to pay um, uh, Oakland and, and Alameda any more money, he will absolutely do that because he honestly believes in his heart of hearts he wants to bring a Super Bowl to Oakland and, and, uh, and, the, and the Bay Area fans. He really, really does. And that's not a lie. It's not a, it's not a con. He believes that because of all of us, he's the biggest fan of the team. There's nobody that's a better fan than him of his own team. So when he says, hey, I want to even extend out a 2019 lease agreement, he didn't just say that. Not in my opinion. Now, other people will disagree with me, and that's great. You know, that's why we have shows like this, so we can we can have differing opinions. But I firmly believe when he looked, we, he looked uh, the camera in the eye and he said that, he believed it. And he meant it. Now, things might change on the ground. Obviously, there's things that are out of people's control. But if he can help it, he'll be there until he moves into a brand new stadium in uh, Las Vegas. And you mentioned um, how Mark Davis is a man of his word. And I mean, that it's really quite um, a Super Bowl in Oakland would be quite the, the finishing off to a legacy there. And I guess if we look at the, the stadium in Las Vegas, how how do you see that um, shaping in terms of the legacy for not only Mark Davis but the Raiders as an organization? Well, well I think it it, it it justifies everything Mark Davis has done since taking over. You know, I mean, Mark Davis catches a lot of heat for the things that you know his father did. You know, his father left him with a fifty million dollar debt. His father left him with having to rebuild an organization, basically. Bring, bring it up to the standards, uh, modernize it, you know, so to speak. So for, for, for Mark Davis, this legitimizes, you know, him as an owner. And it shows that, you know, he has good people in place. Let, uh, there's guys that don't get enough credit. Now, everybody talks about Reggie McKenzie and what Reggie, Reggie has done. And Reggie's done a phenomenal job. He was trained by arguably the best draft and developed general manager in the history of the NFL and Ted Thompson. He learned salary cap in Green Bay. He, he, Reggie McKenzie does a phenomenal job, and he does it from a scouting standpoint, from from uh, dealing with the contracts and whatnot. But Mark Bedane doesn't get quite enough credit as he deserves. He's been the front man in this whole thing. He's been very heavily involved in every negotiation. 
Mark Bedane has been very upfront and honest with people and to the point to where Mark isn't talking to anybody anymore publicly because and he really hasn't because he's at a point where, you know, he's like, this is what I, this is. We're just we're getting this thing done. He's been very he's been very good. And he's talked very uh, fondly about the Oakland people and the fans that they're, they're going to be leaving. And he doesn't want to do anything to I don't say disrespect him, but but rub even more salt on an open wound. But Mark Bedane doesn't get nearly as much credit as he deserves from the business side of things because, you know, he's been very when it, when it comes to getting the business, getting the deal done and and doing everything else. Mark was is the point man in it. And he's done a very good job. And keep in mind, he and Mark Davis have come a long way from they both were water boys for the Raiders when they were youth. So this is a guy that's been with the organization his whole life and he bleeds silver and black. So I give Mark Bedane as much credit as anybody in getting this deal done. And 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 to further that, you know, uh, you know, that's why I asked that question at the uh, at the uh, relocation uh, announcement was because Mark Mark talked about uh, his father's legacy and trying to cement his father's legacy, getting something his father couldn't do. That's a, a, a Raiders Hall of Fame. That's uh, the torch. That's a world class facility. That is a football-only facility, uh, in a in a and and becoming a top-five brand worldwide. That's what we're looking at here, and Vegas is the perfect opportunity to do that because of its international flavor. I mean, you can say if if you go around the world and you say Las Vegas. I mean, you can say Las Vegas in China. You can say Las Vegas in 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 Saudi Arabia. You can say Las Vegas in Norway. Everybody knows what that is. You can say it in Australia. You can say it in <laughs> Australia. Now, and, and Mark Bedane, and I was, again, when I was talking to, to Mark Davis and I was complimenting him on his tires, you oh, know, geez. remember I, 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 I've talked about Christian Howard and them bringing him in as, as, as building the sponsorships from the ground up. And I said, that was a fantastic hire, Mr. Davis. And, and, and Mark pointed at Mark Bedane and said, he's my guy who hires people. He's my guy that knows all of that stuff. I let him do his work. I'm paraphrasing to a degree. So don't say, well, this is what, you know, I'm just paraphrasing. And, and Mark Bedane, exactly. He's the one who handles that kind of stuff. He handles the day-to-day operations of the business side of the Raiders. And Mark Davis has a vision. People don't believe that. And he has a vision and he, he's told his vision to Reggie McKenzie for the football side. And he's told his vision to Mark Bedane on the business side. And he just lets him go to work and he just sits back and he, he offers a suggestion here. He says, this is what I want there. And that's it. And he lets his people do work. And Mark Bedane deserves every much, every bit of credit that Reggie McKenzie or Jack Del Rio or anybody else in this process. And I, I can't, I just can't reiterate it uh, enough what Joe said. So there you go. I think that's something that Nads and I have, have touched on a little bit before and that the, the best we were talking about in a football sense, but the best coaches are usually the guys that surround themselves with the best people. So they, they understand their limits and their limitations and what they can and can't do. And they bring in the people that know those specific areas to do those jobs for them. And that's exactly what you're talking about there, Scott. Uh, look, guys, unfortunately, that's that's all the time we've got uh, today. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a really interesting discussion. It's been Uh, it's been great having you on the show and it's going to be really fascinating to see how this unfolds just before we uh, we wrap this up Scott do you just want to plug on social media where everybody can find you if they want to check you out 
Well, they can find me at at Scott underscore winter NFL for Twitter. And they can find me at, well, www.lastwordonprofootball.com slash Scott or slash author slash Scott winter. Um, I, I, you know, I've been, I've done other things and whatnot, but that is my main focus right now until something new comes up. Uh, so, uh, there's that Joe. And Joe, where can the listeners find you? And don't forget to plug your hashtag Joe Knows t-shirt. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, you can find me. This, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter, at Joe Arrigo, A-R-R-I-G-O. Um, you can find any word, any of my – if you're interested in football and you from the college standpoint, and you and LB in particular, inside the rebels.com, as well as uh, – I pinned it in my Twitter profile. Uh, there's a, We have a new sh- – shirt line that we just debuted last night the joe knows shirt line it's uh a parody off the bonos shirt line uh bono slogan from the eight from the late 80s early 90s and um we have shirts in raiders colors unlv colors and the las vegas golden knights colors the nhl hockey team so uh these are the first editions that we will have out and we have a uh, already three more designs in the making for the new shirts. So uh, if you guys want to get them, we have a great deal right now. Shirts are $30 each, or you can get three for $75. It saves you uh, about 15 bucks on that. So you get all three shirts. You could be the first people in your neck of the woods uh, rocking these shirts and, and tell them Joe knows this and Joe knows that. So uh, you guys can enjoy that. So I appreciate you letting me plug that. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me on it. It's been a blast. <coughs> and, and they are lit. I'm just saying, <laughs> those shirts are lit. Uh, I'll definitely be getting one, Joe. Definitely getting your silver and black one. That's for sure. Wow, what a jam-packed episode! Thank you so much to Joe and to Scott for coming on the show today. It's really appreciated by both Duncan and I. Make sure you follow them on their social media handles, guys. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at any given M-O-N-P-O-D and also like us on Facebook. We're on there at any given Monday pod. Guys, you can also check us out on Twitter. You can catch Nads at H-B Nadoni, N-A-D-O-L-N-Y. And you can catch me at D-Song, S-O-A-N-G. And let's make sure you get some questions coming in for uh, hashtag AskNads. That'll be back again in the next episode. It definitely will be, and we're going to have an absolute jam-packed episode next week. We're going to be looking more at the draft. We're going to be previewing that a lot more in-depth because the draft is only a couple weeks around the corner. I'm really excited, Dunk. Yeah, it's getting closer and closer. I'm I'm very, very keen for it. So we'll be smashing out those last few position previews, and then, of course, we've got some mock drafts coming your way as well. In the meantime, guys, keep fighting for those inches. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Viva! Oh,